playing softly. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've come to the service tonight, and Lord, whatever little things have beset us, some of us had that things come our way today, the enemy trying to upset the balance, Lord, of our humanity as we come to the service. But now, Lord, we dismiss him. We dismiss every working that would plague our mind, everything that's gone wrong. And Lord, now we give you the preeminence and we're asking you to take care of this service. Lord, we bind together and we cast out the evil one and all of his workings. And Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, may you take the preeminence in this service. Father, as we open your word and we look into it, we're asking that the spirit of the one who wrote the book would come upon both the speaker and the hearer. And I pray, O oh Lord, you'd quicken us. Lord, to the Christ, the revealed word of this age, give us the spirit of God. Give us the spirit of understanding. Cause us to be a better people. Cause us to be overcomers. Cause us to conduct ourselves in a better way. Lord, we give this service to you. We're asking your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. God bless you. We're going to just get our focus right to the Word. I'll invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. We're going to read one verse there, and then we'll go to Matthew 24. Matthew 18, verse 7. So it says, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man by whom the offense cometh. I was told that thought. God did not take away the evil of this day. He's left it around us, but he's also put something inside of us. That's greater than all that's out there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. We'll take it from verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Just, just think about that for a moment. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I will invite you to go with me. We're going to just move into the scriptures. We'll go to Psalms chapter 49. Psalms chapter 49. We'll read from verse 1 to 5. And we'll just try and get a theme here, make some comments, and go into a, a line of thought here. 
Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all you inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, together. I just hold my thought there for a minute. In the message, letting off the pressure, Brother Bram said, there is a pressure that comes on everyone, rich and poor. It comes on the church member. It comes upon the world. It comes on everyone. But there's a place that we can let off the pressure. Verse 3, it says, My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Verse 5, Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? So David, in this psalm, he's giving an instruction for a psalm, and he says, Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? One more scripture in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 119, we'll go to verse 132, Psalms 119, 132, look thou upon me and be merciful unto me as thou used to do unto those that love thy name, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. And I'll take from that a title tonight, just Dominion Over Iniquity in the Evil Day. I'm going to take several directions to this, but iniquity, if you go into the dictionary, the definition is, it's the violation of a right or a duty that mankind is under obligation to do. Now, Brother Branham would say it this way in the message. He'd say, iniquity is knowing something you ought to do and not doing it, or something you ought not to do and doing it. In other words, doing the obligation. So when you're committing iniquity, you're doing it with the full knowledge of righteousness, of what the act is, but you're seemingly powerless to be able to help yourself from doing it. And iniquity can come because we are not prayed up. We're not in the place we ought to do. We are in a weak moment. We may have human tendencies. And I will say, not one of us is immune to iniquity in our lives. This goes right from the pulpit to the pew, from the most righteous, from the one who has been just saved to the one who has been serving God for 40 years. Iniquity is present in our lives. Now, Psalms 66, verse 18, will say this. If I regard iniquity, the Lord will not hear me. In other words, you keep iniquity in your heart, and the Lord will not hear your prayer. Brother Branham would say it that way. And, and I'm, I'm just trying to establish this because it's so easy for us to... Uh, have a false measure or a false balance in how we view ourselves and how we view others around us. We will make an excuse for ourselves, for our flesh, but we will not give grace to others. That's just a human tendency. And, and we, or we will have something that would be a besetting sin, and we will allow that. We will allow discouragement. We will allow a sense of failure and trying and frustration, saying, I can never overcome this. It's a family trait or it's something I have a weakness. But I believe God has a place for us to overcome. And I want to I go there with it tonight. Go with me also to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I may come back to this scripture some other time again, but I, I've just been thinking on this particular scripture. It came to my heart some time back here. And Ecclesiastes 3 is the one where it's a time to every season. But I want to drop down to verse 16, if you will. And this is the wisest man on earth. This is Solomon. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment. So we are living in the days of judgment. The judgments are on the earth. I saw in the, under the sun the place of judgment 
that wickedness was there. Now, now this, that, that's the world around us. There is wickedness on every hand. You peel back the cover of some public heroes and lives, and there is wickedness there. You peel back the cover of, of, of what the Jezebel religious system is in this day, and there is evil that is there. And there is evil behind politicians. There is evil behind a lot of the movements in the earth today. And God will judge them. And lest we get too quick with it, let's read the next part of this which says, And then I saw the place of righteousness. What a place. But iniquity was there. Now, so lest we get too, too, too righteous, too, you know, we, we have our righteous indignation come up and, and that we, we say it that nobody, you know, we're under, under the message and everything's good. Listen, let's just be honest. We are under a blood covenant and you remove that blood and we are nothing without that blood. None of us is anything. So now he says, now, iniquity was there. In verse 17, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. And there is a time there for every purpose and every work. And I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them, that they might see that they themselves are beasts. Now, I, I, I want to just say this. We, 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 if I can't emphasize it enough, is we need to keep our vessels and we need to keep it under the blood. We need to yield ourselves as much as we can in this day to the things of God. Because there is every imaginable temptation. There is every imaginable spirit that is going to and fro in the earth today. And it will and affect every one of us. And I say this, the devil is doing all he can. But I am also glad that the prophet said a man can live so close to God that when he wakes up in the morning, the devil doesn't know what to do with him. So hide me in the rock of ages. Hide me close to you, O Lord. Now, I want to just take this, and Brother Branham would say, the major sin of our days among our people, that's, let's call it the message, is worldliness. This is in the message, How Can I Overcome? It says, The Laodicean age, she was worldly, she, had rich, she was rich, she had need of nothing, didn't know she was naked, miserable, wretch, and blind. Now, I, I want to just say this. You can say, I'm so glad we're not that. But I will say, Laodicea does not stop at the doors of End Time Message Tabernacle. Laodicea creeps into our lives. It deceives us. It causes us to be lukewarm. It causes us to be a certain way. Now this is not that you can snap out of it. But God has given us an antidote. And the more you yield yourself to God, the more you find yourself in a channel where God is moving and stay in it, the more you'll overcome. But the more you allow the little foxes, the little the snares, the little temptations. You know, just, just a little documentary on YouTube can turn into movies, can turn into something else. And in just a, a few minutes on social media can turn into an hour and a half. Just a little something can take you into a channel. Now, I, I'm, I'm saying it on the other hand, just getting into God, and sometimes you have to fight to get to that place. Sometimes you just get into His presence, and once you get in His presence, you are in, you are riding something that is not of you. That is something that is from a heavenly realm. It is different than the world that's around us. And I say you have to fight more and more to get to that place. And I, 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 I want to stay in that place as much as I can. Now it says the major sin is worldliness. And Brother Bannon would say, you keep harping on these things. And he says all the time. And he says, listen, I get tired of seeing you do it too. <laughs> this is the prophet. Can you imagine sitting here in Jefferson? I heard that already, I, but I'm tired of hearing it. And he's saying, what are you harping on it for? Well, stop doing it then. 
I'm trying to save your life by the word. I get tired also. Now he says, many times we're tempted to go back. You know, because what church are you affiliated? What are you tempted with? Sometimes we start out walking in grace, and what was grace and what was a joy becomes works, becomes drudgery, and we've lost our first love somewhere along the way. And when you're doing it out of works, well, I have to come to church. Well, I have to do this. You've missed something. I've missed something. When we're doing it beyond a sense of duty, that's where God wants us to live. He wants to be there. Now, it's not all on the mountaintop, but if you're in love with Jesus, oh, I love that song, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I ever did. When you fall in love with him, I'll tell you what, it's easy to pray. It's easy to sing songs. It's easy to serve God. It's, it, I'll tell you what, there's nothing on this earth like it. So he would go on to say, we're tempted to go back, and we're tempted to do that We'll go back and be popular with this wicked generation that we're living in. Now, he also gives us the example of Jesus Christ. Now, remember, when he came to earth, there was just as much unbelief then or more than there is at any time. It didn't bother him a bit when they called him a devil when they called him everything that could be done, it didn't bother him. He had one objective, mind the Father, keep the word. He had one mind. He is our example to overcome our evil generation as he overcame his evil generation. So I want to now just look at this a little bit, and I'll go back to Psalms 49 where we read the scripture that David said, Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? So David is actually writing this in a song. And you could read the rest of that scripture and it's worthwhile reading. But I, I want to just take it this way. Now, if you have at the beginning of Psalms 41, 49, there's these words inscripted before you get to the scripture. It says, to the chief musician. Now that, that musician was Asaph. He was, a, he was a song leader. He was a song writer. He was under the direct inspiration of David. He was, he was under David in such a way, and it, 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 you could take actually much time on this, but Asaph, under the direction of David, he had the songs, and I would just say not the songs, but the spirit that went behind the songs that were necessary for God to move in their lives. So he's, he's writing this song. This is to the chief musician. This is to Asaph. Now, I, I, you can read that. You can find that name many times, and we can go and study it. But I want to take this next part. A psalm for the sons of Korah. Now, this is interesting. The sons of Korah. Now, this isn't really good. These, does anybody know in the Bible who Korah was? Yeah, listen, he didn't have a very good track record. And, and would you want to walk around being known as the son of Korah? Hey, hey that was my dad. Uh, yeah, that was him. No, you wouldn't want that. But David is identifying this to the sons of Korah. Now, I want to just take a look at this for a moment because there, it, it bears something to look at. Um, now, in the book of Hebrews, uh, Paul would say, Levi paid tithes when Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. So God, by predestination, saw what Abraham did, looked down four generations. He saw not just Isaac and not just Jacob, but all the 12 tribes. And out of the 12 tribes, he saw Levi, and he said, Levi, you paid tithes already, therefore, you do not need to pay tithes anymore. I will have you serve my people, and you will serve my people, and, and you, will not, you will receive tithes. Now, this was just the supreme authority of God. Now, if you look in the book of Numbers, and I won't have time to refer back to all the scriptures, but the Levites then were in full-time service 
to God's people. They did not as such have a land as their inheritance. They, they served God's people. They were um, serving regarding the tabernacle implements, the, the Ark of the Covenant. They were the, the descendants of Aaron, the priests of God. Now, Levi had three sons. One was Gershon, one was Merari, and one was Kohath. Now, Gershon, if you actually go into the Bible, Gershon and the Gershonites, as they would call it, their lineage, they took care of the tabernacle, they took care of the tent, they took care of, of all the coverings, the curtain, the ropes, and everything. That was their particular duty as Levites. So it wasn't just that Levi was going to be just a minister, but there was much more associated with the role that Levi would play in serving the children of God. And Levi, under that, would be three different sons, and they would all have a place that was uniquely different. So is it in the church here today. We have many different officers. We have, we have many different gifts. But everyone that's here serves the economy and the people of God. Can you say amen? From the least to the, to the greatest, if there is such a thing, we all serve God's purpose. So God had the Gershonites. He also had the, the, the sons of, of Meriah, which, which they didn't have the cloth and all those things, but they had to carry the framework. They had to carry the posts. They had to, to carry the bases. You know, when you go camping... You know, everybody, nobody wants to pack the tent if you're backpacking. Nobody wants to pack the weight. So, but they could carry, <coughs> they would carry these things. Now, really the Gershonites and the, the Merarites, they, they, would, they would be able to use a cart to carry things. They, they could use that and so it lightened their load. But then there is Kohath and Kohath is, is the, one of the sons of Levi, their particular charge was the care of the sanctuary, the ark, the table, the lampstand, the articles of the sanctuary, all of this under the direct super, supervision of Eleazar, the son of Aaron. Now, they could not carry these things on an ark. They had to carry them on their shoulders. They, they had to, they could not touch them and in fact, when they moved them, they had to cover them. They could not look at them. Uh, it, it became, you know, they had an extra burden, if you could call it that. The, the others had doing this. So, and over time, maybe as I said earlier, this gift that they were given or this privilege that they were given became a burden. And maybe they looked upon and said, I would rather be a priest than have to serve under the Levitical order that I've been given. And so, now, it was out of the Kohath group that, that there, was a great grand, there was a grandson of Levi named Korah. And Korah, I, I believe, was also a, a relation to Moses. He was a relative to Moses because Moses himself came out of the tribe of the Levites, as did Moses' wife. She also came out of the tribe of the Levites. Now, this was, this was when the bloodstream was done and God would do all of those things. And, and you know, it said that the Jewish bloodstream is the purest bloodstream there is. But God was watching in particular over all of these offices. Now, and, and maybe this burden that, that was there and maybe Korah, you know, maybe you always look at what the seeds were that would have led to the rebellion that Korah had. It doesn't really say. We don't really know. But it's like it was in heaven. There was a, there was a great angel that God created, the, the, the greatest lights. And he was beautiful, more fair than all the angels, until iniquity came in his heart. Now, iniquity can be just a little thing it cannot be visible, but it, we can hold it, and it can linger, and it can stay there, but it can manifest. Now, just stay with me. I, I, I just want to take this a little bit. But wherever Korah had this, he wasn't satisfied with the role he was given, and he began to connect 
with others that were discontented. And that's the way spirits work. They will seek out somebody who, you know, maybe even unconsciously, hey, do you see what's going on in that church there? I see what's going on there. You know, and all of a sudden, it begins to add fuel to the fire. Now, the prophet would tell us in Christ the mystery of God revealed that even that Satan would bring somebody into your midst. Now, don't go looking at everybody that's around us. But he would bring somebody in your midst, and he said he would sow some seeds within them and, and, and plant it, and it would become something that would canker the whole thing. And he says, now, but he says, if you have enough of God in you, you know, keep with that, stay with that, and he says, they will either get converted or they'll leave. Now, that's, that's what the prophet said. Now, as I said from the outset, we're never going to get away. Sometimes we have an ideology. We look for a perfect church where there's no issues, where there's no troubles, where, you know, it, it's just, this is it. This is where God is moving. This is what, it'll never be that way. There'll always be issues. There'll always be troubles. But the thing is, we can have enough of Christ in us that we don't elevate the church, we don't elevate the ministers, we, don't, we elevate Christ always and Christ in us. So whatever it was, Korah began to connect with Dathan, with Abiram, and they were of the tribe of Reuben. And it began to be a movement where 250 men challenged Moses and Aaron. Now, I'm taking a little bit of time with this. Go with me to Numbers chapter 16 for a moment. I'm just taking a bit of backdrop to come back to where I want to come in Psalms 49. Numbers chapter 16. <coughs> and, and you can read in the beginning in verse 1, who gathered together. There's a whole thing that, that's worthwhile. But let's just pick it up from verse 23. So after this uprising against Moses... And, and they became emboldened with one another. They got caught in a spirit. They got caught in a movement. And, you know, the more they fellowshiped, that's all they could see. Yeah, Moses, he takes too much upon himself. You know, who does he think he is? He's not the only righteous one among us, etc., etc. And, and it went on and on. And finally, in verse 23, And the Lord spake upon, unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram, and Moses rose up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram, and on every side, and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents, their wives, their sons, and their little children. Now, it says, and Dathan and Abirah came out and stood in the door. Now, it doesn't say anything about Korah. Just stay with me. And Moses said, hereby shall you know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. For I have not done them of my own mind. And he makes this saying, if these men, these 250 men, if they die the common death of all men, or they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. You talk about a showdown. And then he says, but if the Lord makes a new thing, and the earth open up her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertaineth unto them, and they go quick into the pit, then shall you understand that these men have provoked the Lord. So he's saying, if the Lord does a new thing, and this happens. And it, listen, here right away in verse 31. And it came to pass as he made an end of speaking. It didn't take very long for God to come and back up his word. He said, all these words, then the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses, and all the men that, appert that appertaineth unto Korah and their goods, and all that appertaineth them went down alive in the pit, and the earth closed on them, and they perished from among the congregation Furthermore, in verse 35, a fire came from the Lord and consumed 250 men that offered incense. Now, there's, there's more to the story, and I won't have time, but you'll find that was pretty supernatural. But the spirit that was behind it did not die. Because it, 
it, it didn't take very long that some men in the congregation are, you have killed the men of the Lord. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? Did you not just see what happened? Yeah. You have killed the people of the Lord. Now, I, I bring all of this because time has gone on, and Korah, Dathan, the, these men were not names you would want to be identified with. In fact, if you look at Korah, and even in, in the book of Jude, it identifies Korah, the spirit of Cain. It talks about the altar of, of Korah. And I, I want to just insert this for a moment because, you know, we, we, we can do one of two things when, when, when we, in our religious fervor sometimes, we can get our righteous indignation, we get a religious spirit, we associate some carnality with it, and by association, we mark people. We can mark, sometimes I've, I've learned this even when we go ministering and sometimes, you know, maybe a minister, a leader of a church, of a group can be in error and we disassociate with ourselves. That can be overseas. That can be somewhere you're acquainted with. And immediately we have a tendency to write everybody off. That's there. But we err, brethren. We err when we do that. Because God knows his own. And we need to keep our spirit clean. We need to keep our attitude clean. We need to keep it to a point and allow Christ, the spirit of redemption, to work through us. Now, now I want you to think about for a moment because God had had enough with Israel at one point that he said to Moses, separate yourself from them. He says, have nothing to do with them. I will start a new nation from you. And Moses, you know, you know if, if Moses really had any kind of a personal agenda, he said, you're right, Lord. You know, who else but me to lead your new nation? Who else is as righteous as I? You know, who else is it? But yet Moses, he had faults. And Brother Benham would actually talk about the six weaknesses of Moses that he complained to God with. Actually, he says seven, but he didn't mention the seventh in, in, in what he did. He, I, I can't do it. I can't speak. I can't do those things. Moses, in all those weaknesses, and the seventh, which Moses never really mentioned, is temper, because he had a temper. But it was Moses at that moment when God said that, he said, no, don't do it, Lord. What will the nation say? He says, Lord, I'll take me. I'll stand in the breach. And Brother Bam never understood that, that scripture. And that scripture, he said, that was the spirit of Christ in Moses. Now, I'm, I'm doing this because we live in Laodicea. We live in an age where cancel culture is prevalent. Your way of disassociating with your past is to abolish it, any statues, any forms, any anything. Listen, if you lived in that day, you would not be called the sons of Korah. You would have your own name. Why would you want to be associated with that name? But God was showing that there's something greater, even under the fatherhood of what, what Korah had, God had a purpose. And he had a generation that would fulfill that purpose. Now, stay with me in this. Our, our, we, we have a tendency... And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not putting everybody under this, but we're human. Brother Bannon would say there's a big difference between David and David in the Spirit. And, and <coughs> he would actually say, you know, you've got to stay under the blood. Now, I'm, he, said, he would say this, friends. Now, he says, sometimes when you have a little audience of people and, uh, or something a little above the average, you begin to think, Look who I am. He says, brother, right then you're on the road down. Right then. When you just get lifted up that little bit. When you start to look down on somebody. Now he says, now God knows best. You have to watch that. Satan throws it out there. It's awful flowery. But if we could just stay under the blood and you pray that I will. Now remember, I could fail. Listen to what he says. I could fail, but if you keep praying for me and God keeps loving me, I'll make it. Yeah. 
Now that's amazing. Now, we can't save one another. Only the blood can do that. But we can help one another on life's journey. Because we all have, uh, let's call it a weak side, a blind side. We all have something that we have to protect one another. We all have something. And the real Christian way is not to kick a brother when he's down, but it's to help a brother when, and make him come a little higher. Now, Brother Branham is saying that if you keep praying for me and God, I'll make it. Okay, this song leader's thing is, is falling apart on me here. It can't handle the anointing of preaching. But anyway, it's okay. Now, <laughs> I, listen, while you're laughing, let me say this. Here's right in that same line of thought, Brother Branham would say this. I have the greatest respects for women, Christian women. I think a woman is the great best thing a man could, that God could give a man outside of salvation. He said, I married a little old fat girl up there that I love with all my heart. He said it, friends. I'm, I'm just... He says, I've never seen one to take her place. Now listen to what he says. So I know as long as I stay a Christian, I'll feel that same way. Now isn't that... You know, he, I love he's, he's honest, right? <laughs> and he says, but what is it? You've got to, you, you allow yourself to get carnal. Listen, some of you are smiling. It works both ways, brothers. You know, <laughs> there's some brothers raising their hands already. There's two hands up here. You know what? Uh, my wife promised me she'd stay with me through thick and thin. Thick, thin. She's staying with me. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> there's another brother. <laughs> it's the same way. Now, I want to think about these sons of Korah because... We associate with people. We associate, oh, they come out of that church, therefore they're such and such. We can't allow that to enter our thinking. We can maybe say, oh, that family has this blemish on them, and therefore they do such and such. Or even down to the individual, we can say, they have a history of doing such and such, and we allow ourselves to portray that person negatively. Uh, listen, I, I may be, you might be able to keep a real stoic face, but I said we're learning, we're maturing, we're in the presence of the sun ripening the greenness out of us. There has never been, there's a, there's a quote that I, I've never gotten away from. It's in the evening messenger. And Brother Bam says, when it looks like the message has failed, that's when God steps on the scene. And, you, and, and an outsider can look on the message. You, they can look and say, what is the message of William Branham? They can go on, 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 on Google and search it out. And they'll get guaranteed two to one, if not three to one, negative about the message. And there'll be those that'll be on the peripheral and will look at it negatively or carnally. But there also can be us internally and we can say, how can this be of God when there's all these things? Well, listen, that's got nothing to do with it if you're in Christ. Not a thing to do with it if you're in Christ. The, the, and, and Brother Bannon would say, <coughs> sometimes God has you in a congregation that's wrong to shed light. Don't jump up. Just keep jumping from place to place, from one thing to the other. Just stay under the blood. When you get to running out, then your security is gone. Stay under the blood. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they're safe. Let off the pressure. Now, I'm using all of this, and I'm bringing it into this type. Now, here's the sons of Korah. David addresses them as the sons of Korah. If you actually take there, and I'm going to just go into this just a wee little bit tonight, maybe pick it up another time. These sons of Korah, they were under the Levitical order that God had in his mind. But yet they bore the shame of their father. Listen, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. We can read this in verse 1. We'll read verses 1 to 5. And Ezekiel was a prophet. And remember, he was in Babylon. And 
you know, there was a lot of blame being going around. Why are we in prison? Because of our fathers, because of this, because of that. Why are we in the shape we're in? Why are we in this, this? And, and you know what? Pretty soon it's murmuring all over again like Moses had to do. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, what mean you that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Now, I'm not going to get into explaining the whole proverb, but they're associating the sins of the fathers and attributing it to the children. And, and, it, and it's a saying. It's a, we could take time on this, go into it and search out, God hears all the sayings that, that go around even in the message. Or they, you know, whenever somebody says, you message people. What do you mean, you message people? Are you not one of us? Or they. <laughs> you can say they about another church. And, and you can say it negatively. You can say they about an aspect of leadership in a church. Well, you mean they are different than me? No, we're all in this together. Are we not? So let's, let's, let's work together. Let's, con- let's work together and let's not start to, you know, and even, even in, in, in a church, there's, there's, there can be a gift and a gift, one gift can be different from another and say, and, and it's so easy, you can say, I like that ministry above all the others and we make it a sense of division. That ought not to be. It ought to be, there's Christ in Brother Max, there's Christ in Brother John, there's Christ in this, and there's Christ in everyone if you look for him. And I, I would rather promote that than cause a divisionary thing. Because that's the ground the devil wants to work on. And we don't want to have anything to do with him. So let's just say it. So the sayings that go on, I, I, it's not in my, my notes here. So he's saying, as I live, saith the Lord, you shall, have, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. Now, you know, in other words, the sons could be complaining, well, we're in captivity because our fathers did so and so. No, he says, you can't do that. He said, all souls are mine. The soul of the father, so the soul of the son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right, and, and, and he, so he's saying there is a way to get into all this. Now, I, I can't read all of this. I'm going to just jump ahead. Ethan, before I go to the other scripture, drop down to verse 19. Yet you say ye, why does the son, does not the son bear the iniquity of the father? When the son hath done that which is lawful and right, and has kept all my statues and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that, thineth, that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wickedness shall be upon him. But if the wicked shall turn from all of his sins which he's committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions that he's committed shall not be mentioned to him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Now, Brother Branham would, would, would take it this way, and he would talk a little bit, because as we grow in grace in the message, and it's easy to look back and we can say, you know, in the first generation that came out, you know, in our zeal, we probably leaned a little bit more to a legalistic side of thinking. Right. And, 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 it, 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 and mistakes were made. You know, all that are not under the token are lost. Well, it's true. That's a statement. But they, you can say it this way. All that are under the token may not be part of the bride. But there are people that will be part of the foolish virgin that are not lost. So, but in our zeal, we take that and, and we would brush off people at work. We would brush off those that were Christians. We would, we would just say, no, if you're not in this and if you don't see this. And, and we're, we were green. But that was a coming out. Now, there's a moving on. There's a, there's a maturing. There's something that's coming further. And now we recognize, you know what? We need to have a little grace. Sometimes there are people that fit that description, but not everybody does. 
And there will be those that are good to the elect. And now we see the example of Brother Branham, how he would come into a house and he would ask for a cup of water, knowing that that would return on that house one day. He was sowing seeds, not just among his group, but amongst a greater group. He was not all-inclusive. He was not denominational in his characteristics. And we can become denominational. We can have, we can say we're not denominational, but we have the characteristics because we shut one out and we put this one there and we box that one up there. But it's not our place to judge everybody. God will be the judge. Listen, there's a big difference between you and God, me and God. God knows them that are His. You don't know. And therefore, you sow the seed not knowing who will be and who will not be. Brother Ed, why are you going down this path? I, it's because of what the Lord put in my heart. Brother Branham will make this statement. When you get to the other side, there will be some there that you never thought would be there. And there'll be some there that you thought would be there and they're not there. So whatever you're thinking right now, you won't know that till you get to the other side. So I, I just say, cast your thinking away and be a Christian. Shine your light. Give no occasion for the devil. Allow God to move. I'll tell you what, the more we clear the cobwebs from our mind. How often have we gone somewhere, you know, oh, you come from Edmonton. What church do you go to? Oh, such and such a church. Oh, I can see they've already placed me. I'm in a box over here. It's not the box that they dwell in, but, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then by other token, you know, you can go overboard the other way. What church do you go to? Oh, Brother Hildebrand. Oh, you went to Brother Hildebrand's church? Oh. <laughs> Listen, both are wrong. Listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a son of God. You know, and, and, and it's like you can have message Mecca churches. If you don't come to this church, you haven't come to Mecca yet. No. If you come to Christ, you've come to everything. Bloom where you're planted. Wherever God's placed you, shine the light. Now, all right, where am I going here with all of this? My goodness. Now, Brother Ann would say, I missed a scripture here. Ezekiel 18. Let's go just quickly if we can. Numbers 26. I'm just going to go back to the sons of Korah for a minute. How are we doing? Okay. Numbers 26. Now, verse 9. And the sons of Eliab, Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. This is that Dathan and Abiram, which were famous in the congregation, and strove against Moses... And against Aaron in the company of Korah when they strove against the Lord. Now, it's identifying the lineage. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah when the company died and what time the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign. Verse 11. Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. Now, we could, we have a tendency, we refer to Rahab as the harlot. But in heaven, she will not be Rahab the harlot. In fact, when she lived on earth and married Salmon, I dare say there was very few that would reference her harlot background. We can, we can make assumptions and we think, well, a bastard child shall not enter the congregation for 14 generations. And a sister wrote a letter, God bless that sister, and she wrote that letter and says, Brother Branham, I, I think in my lineage, I checked back, and I'm, I, I, there, I was, there was one out of wedlock somewhere and something, and he said, Sister, that was before the blood of Jesus Christ. But now the blood of Jesus Christ is stronger than that. There's a purification with the blood. And we need to remember that. Listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm going back to the scripture in Matthew and I'm trying to do it because I'm watching the clock. In Matthew, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. Why? Iniquity, knowing to do something and not doing it. Allowing things to linger. 
attitudes, perceptions, allowing them to govern our, our dealings. That's the enemy trying to do it. You can go to 1 Corinthians, and, and, and I might come back to it at the end of the service. I know I'll take it in another service. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, I show you a better way. And he says, love. And, and he would talk about all the aspects of love that were there, and he would, would, just, would just share them. And, and he would just say, charity suffers long, and it's kind. How are you going to overcome in the evil day? Love will cover a multitude of sins. Brother Ernie Fandler, who I had the privilege of meeting, Ernie Fandler, and a brother wrote, wrote a story of him almost home, but he was the brother that was in the time of Brother Branham, and he, his wife was not a believer, and he was having trouble getting her to believe, and he talked to Brother Branham, and he said, Brother Branham, shall I cast the demon out of her? Shall I do this? What, what can I do? He says, Brother Ernie, you're going about it the wrong way. Go and bring her some flowers. What? Flowers? You know, listen, imagine the thinking. You're going to cast out a demon with flowers? Now, if your husband brings you flowers, don't think he's trying to cast out a demon. <laughs> okay? Just, just to keep a balance here, okay? But he would say that. Listen, Brother Ernie is the brother. He, he'd watched a film. It had clouded his mind. He was driving. He finally pulled over in a hotel room in Chicago. It was the middle of the night. He's bombarded by these evil spirits from this film that he'd seen. And the phone rings. Nobody knows where he is. And he just had finished crying out to God. He picks up the phone, and it's Brother Branham. He said, Brother Ernie, God has heard your prayer. You can go to sleep now. That's the God we serve. Now, I'm saying this. Love casts out things. Love will cover a multitude of sins. So now, have fervent love. First Peter, have fervent love among one another. In other words, we, we revert quite often to the union mentality. That is my job, and I'm not going outside of my job description. Pardon me? We all work together to help one another. No gift in the body is a gift unto itself. It's a gift for the body. The gift for the body, and we need to consider this, because I'm getting back to the sons of Korah right away, what, what David was doing. Listen, a gift you need to consider. I might think I'm so right in the way I do it, but how does that affect your brother, and how does that affect your sister? In your zeal to serve the Lord... There's more than one dimension to something. And every part edifies. Every part. Listen, in a marriage, a husband may be good at certain things. A wife may be good at certain things. But you need to work together. You need to communicate. You need to work together for the benefit of the whole. And the whole may be the marriage relationship and the children. That means communication. That means acknowledgement. I'm sorry. I just was listening to the message, reaction to an action. And at the beginning of that message, Brother Branham tells a story on himself where he caused his wife, when he told her he was under pressure, and he ran out and he caused his wife anguish by running out, tell them I'm not here. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Iniquity, knowing to do right. Now, you can outwardly say, well, I told you I would be there then, but, and you can be factually right, but your attitude, your motive, your intention, God is measuring all of that in how we do things. And Brother Branham says, I was not correct. And he's going to pray for someone now, and God says, I'm not even going to hear your prayer because of what you're holding in your heart. Oh, my. Brother, I didn't think you'd do this on a Wednesday. Yeah, I'm doing it on a Wednesday. It's just down home. Now, let me, let me, let me just take this for a moment. Okay. A good soldier is apt to get wounded or hurt, but he'll rise and try again. Now, Brother Man was talking about, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with thee. Moses, the new commander of the army, after Moses had passed on. 
Now listen, this is how Joshua was going to carry on. Seeing how God stayed with him in his mistakes. Moses made mistakes. Joshua, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you bring it to the elders? Because I didn't even finish reading 1 Corinthians 13. Charity suffers long, is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. I'm, I'm going to come back to these. Listen to this one. Thinketh no evil. Thinketh no evil. Actually, in one of the translations, it said, keeps no record of past wrongs. And we hold on to them. Oh, he did that to me. She did that. He did. And, and we just accumulate them. And and they are our justification for our action. Shame on us. We're living in a higher level. Just like Brother Branham, as the prophets of old, as he said, well, I'll just run in the wilderness. when he got." And God said, you're called to a higher order. So is the generation we're in called to a higher order. So I say, let's live a little higher. Let's be a little bit more Christ-like. That doesn't mean you rip somebody to shreds for the past mistakes. Well, I, I, my upbringing was not good, and therefore I'm justified to keep this attitude. No, you're not. Not if you're a real sheep. No matter... Joshua, the new commander, seeing how God stayed with him in his new mistakes, no matter what Moses done, it was Moses' office that God respected. He was above all the prophets. He was really more than any prophet they had. It's not a good thing to tramp upon God's people. You hurt him when you do so. Now, I know this probably doesn't pertain to any of us here, but I'm saying this for myself where I make mistakes, where I might come to act too quickly, speak too quickly, or where I might not care. There's always room for improvement. There's room right here. There's room for a husband at home. There's room for an officer in the church. There's room for musicians. There's every one of us has a gift. Oh my, how did my time get away? Okay, let's go back quickly if we can. So God allowed the sons of Korah let me just go to this quickly. First Chronicles chapter 6. First Chronicles 6. And we'll wind up with this today. We'll pick this up further on another service. First Chronicles 6. Let's pick it up from verse 31. Now this is interesting because I didn't, I didn't bring another scripture in because actually out of the lineage of Korah, seven generations later, God raised up Samuel, Samuel the prophet out of that lineage. And now out of that lineage. Now, so God in His grace, He had reserved or set something aside. Samuel came out of that generation. Now they had something to do it. And now David is coming and he's picking something up about these sons of Korah. Remember, there was three distinct groups. One had the, the cloths of the, of the tabernacle. One had the structure of the tabernacle. And there was one that carried the instruments of service in the tabernacle. And that was out of which Korah came. Now David is taking it to a higher level. And he goes in verse 31. And these are they whom David set over the service of song in the house of the Lord after that the ark had rest. And they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation with singing until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And they that waited on their office according to their order. And these are they that waited on, that waited with their children. Of the sons of the Kohathites, that's what Korah came out. Heham, a singer, the son of Joel, the son of Shemiel, the son of Elkanah. Where is Elkanah? He was the father of Samuel. He says, now, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihi, the son of Toth, the son of all of these. And, and he would, you can go and read this right down to the end. But I want you just to think, David wrote 11 psalms directed to the sons of Korah. Some of the psalms he wrote were psalms 
46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted from the earth. He would, he would take other psalms and, and he would say, um, um, as the deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. How lovely is your dwelling place, O God. David is delivering these psalms to the sons of Korah. What's he doing? He's establishing a service. No matter what their past were, they're being hearing direct from what God had ordained in his mind all along. And you can look back at your, your background and what you came through, but you are here today. You're under the sound of the gospel. Everything is fresh. Everything is new. Serve God with all your heart. And I say, forget what the devil, the devil is doing, what he's done, what he's trying to do. I say this, press on with all you can. Now, music, just give me just five minutes to close down here. Music to the sons of Korah. Music is such a galvanizing effect. I watched Brother Wendell Martin here on the weekend. He had a day where he lost his luggage, and, and I had to give him my tie. And he says, Brother Ed, as soon as I put that tie on, everything was okay. I said, thank you. As soon as I put that tie on, I'll be able to sing too. And, and so, but he's there, and I watched him come up. You know, and I don't know of a gift quite like it, but with all, he was rattled. He was all these things, and he started to sing a song. And about the second song, the atmosphere changed. And then it changed again, and you could just sense the presence of God was there. And he moved right into the Word, and God gave us a wonderful service. Now, music. Now, I want you to think about the music of your life. Sometimes we can be doing something, and it's wrong for the music in the season. Now, have you ever gone to a golf game and have a football announcer? And the guy's lining up, come on, you can do it, come. The golfer would say, leave me alone. It's the wrong music for the wrong sport. Have you ever seen a golf announcer at a football game? Well, he's lining up the pass. Yes, it went down. Yes, he caught it. He's in the end zone. It's the wrong music for the wrong event. Listen, we were at a wedding and and they happen to have a DJ and they happen to have a, an MC and everything and they're playing songs. They said, I'm not going into this wedding if you're playing that song. And I told them, change the song. Because <laughs> I can't do it with that song. Neither can the song of our life, which, now you think about our song, what's the song of your life? The song, not just the music, the rhythm, but what emanates from you? What are you under? Are you under judgment? Are you under this? Or are you under an edification, a redemption for the rest of the body? I'm going to service to contribute. I'm going to be a part. I'm going to say and do things. When I wake up in the morning, I'm not going to pick on people. When I wake up in the morning, I'm going to help my wife. I'm going to help my children. I'm going to be an encouragement to somebody because you'll also need the encouragement one day. I say, let that rule and reign in our midst. Let that be the overriding thing. Let the music of our life reflect that which we believe. Amen. Why is it so important to be in a right spirit, a right attitude? Because it'll reflect. It'll come out somewhere. You might be saying the right quotes in the wrong moment. And you need the Lord to give you that wisdom. Dominion over iniquity in the evil day. Have I ever made a mistake? Absolutely. Have I ever said things wrong? Absolutely. But I'll say this. You cover for one another. You help one another. And, and I'll just close with this. The real Christian way, Brother Brandon would say, musicians, come please. The real Christian way is to hide everything you can from a brother. Don't tell his bad things. Don't just tell his good things. If there's anything bad, leave it alone. Oh. And I'm not talking about brother. I'm talking about in your own home, your own wife, your own children, your own husband. Friends, is, is somebody hearing me today? Oh, I, I need this in my home. I need to be better. I need to be, I need it in church. I need it in service for God. God has had these, these sons of Korah. You got a special service. You're going to contribute to the rhythm the atmosphere, the flow in the, in the tabernacle as the Levites come. You might not be the, the Levite that's ministering, but you've got an essential role. No matter what your past, no matter where you came from, you're a part of, of the program of God. 
Listen, that may be just chopped up in, in pieces, but I just trust, I'll come back to some of this again. Friends, let's just stand together. I, I just want to encourage us. The devil is going around. Don't fall into the trap, the devil, in cancel culture. Well, I'm just not going to speak about that. I'm not going to associate with that. Be- I'll tell you what. Jesus associated with a woman at a well. He associated with the, the one that was caught in adultery. He, he reached down to levels. God, help us. Let us be that way. Oh, somebody did me wrong. I, I'm just going to stay arm's length. No, forget about it. Maybe they had a bad day. And maybe you need them to help you somewhere. Oh, we're not just, they weren't just sons of Korah. They were sons of God. They had a purpose. Greater than what they came through. God had a purpose for them. And I thank God that that purpose is also there for us in our lives. Trust this was okay. Listen, I'm, I'm friends, I'm trying to help us. Because I see the enemy trying to push buttons. Push buttons. Let God push your button. Don't, don't let the devil push your button. <laughs> you know, just, just listening to that message, reaction to an action. God tests us. I, I said I was done. I really am. Reaction to an action. <laughs> Brother Max, this will just tie into your last service. And when you're put under a test, then you're fixing to be used for God for a testimony. <laughs> he says, you remember, Satan will take you to the last mile of the way. God wants to see if you know what you're talking about. He's wanting to see. First little temptation comes along and you fly off like a buzzsaw. He's trying to see your reaction on your action. He's trying to see. He's trying to test you. Every child that comes to him must put through a test to see how he'll act. And here's the devil. He'll try and push your button. He might use someone in your home. He might use your children. He might use a workplace, a friend. He might use a brother, a sister in the church. And what are you going to do? They might not even mean it. But God wants love to cover a multitude of sins. Oh my, there's more I could get into. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Thank you for putting up with this till 9, 13, 12, 9, 12. Okay. Satan's like a roaring lion. Satan's like a roaring lion. Roaming to and fro, or seeking whom he may devour. The Bible tells us so. Many souls have been his prey in some weak hour. God has promised us today his overcoming power. So glad I got it too. I'm gonna let the 